Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. Hey, hello everybody and welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to a company here before we get started with our guest. It's Nine Lazy Three Knives, Mike Gibson over there. I just received my new folding knife called the one Arm Bandit. His pocket knives are just, they're just so, so cool. They're so cool that Miranda Lambert had one made. Uh, the drummer for Shinedown had one made and the super, super cowboy himself, Dale Risby, had one made. And so when Dale says, uh, you got to get one of these knives or you ain't no cowboy, I had to get one. So anyway, I just got mine. It's super cool. I'm actually going to post a video of it today on Instagram. So be sure and check that out and check them out too. Nine Lazy Three Knives on Instagram. Uh, very cool products. Hey, today on the podcast, I'm, I'm really thrilled to have Carly Twisselman on. Uh, I've said on the podcast before, and most people know that, listen, I'm, I'm this kind of guy that gets starstruck for whatever reason. I, I end up not remembering people's names when I meet them or see them if they're a celebrity. And my wife always gives me a hard time about it. So I'm trying not to be that way right now with Carly. So I'm, I'm going to be as professional as I can and, and not stumble over my words too bad or any more than I normally do. I mean, she's the kind of gal that a lot of guys may not want to get too close to her because she does it all. I mean, this girl ropes, rides, shoots, acts, models, uh, and, and to hop it off, she's, you know, absolutely beautiful. So anyway, um, I'm excited to have her on the show and talk to her about, uh, you know, her life and, and, and what she does. And so Carly, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Well, thanks for having me on. I'll try not to stumble as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, the thing is, is you, you do so much TV and, and hosting and, and things now. I mean, so you're a pro. So hopefully um, I'll get some tips from you as we, uh, as we go through the, the, the podcast here. But um, if, if you would just uh, for, you know, for the listeners, just tell us a little bit about you, how you, you know, got started in the Western lifestyle, rodeo, and, and uh, just as, as much or as little as you want to tell us, but give us a background on you first. Yeah, well, I grew up in it. Uh, my family ranches off the central coast of California, and I come from a seventh-generation ranching family, so it's pretty much all I've ever known, and rodeo just kind of rolled in with that because uh, we raised cattle and grew up early, so we were always on horseback, you know checking cattle and, and fixing fence and everything like that. And rodeo was just kind of what we did on the weekends. And um, it was a passion that just developed from the very early ages of my life. And uh, I, I've never lost it. So I'm still chasing that dream. <laughs> yeah, that that's, that's awesome. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked about on the show before how, you know, I wasn't raised on a ranch, although in my head I was. And, uh, <laughs> you know, um, and so in talking to people that, that were, it's just, it's so fascinating and, and, and exciting too, just to, you know, hear the stories. Well, do you remember, uh, you know, your first horse or your first, uh, you know, event that you ever, were ever in or? Oh, I totally remember my first horses. Um, 
I started writing, I, I won the youngest writer award at our um, local fair. It was the California Mid-State Fair when I was two years old. And you had to ride unassisted. I remember I I wanted to do it because they usually gave a buckle out every year. Right. And I won it that year. And that year they gave a, a green backpack and I was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I had a horse named Doughboy. He was actually my dad's rope horse. But he was, he was one of those horses that, you know, looking back now, he was one in a million. I mean, my dad roped off of him. But, you know, from the age of two, I was riding him and barrels and poles and you know goat tail untying and um the keyhole race and i just grew up with that horse basically i rode him almost till the end of my high school days and uh he was 23 when we finally had to tell him you know you can just stay out in the pasture and do some ranch work every once in a while because he started get you know showing old signs and stuff like that but he was a great horse that i would only hope every kid could grow up with because he really taught me how to trust the horse and and really believe in them to be your teammate and I could always depend on him um but he was by far still to this day probably my favorite horse we also had an old paint horse her name was paint you know pretty stereotypical (laughs) (laughs) that we first started on and she was just really easygoing and I remember always wanting to get off of her and get on doughboy because he just seemed like the cooler horse. But I do remember that. I also learned how to um, rope and everything off of Doughboy and Brand and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, it's funny. When you're little, you don't remember a lot of those memories. But I remember the first time I caught my first calf in the branding pin and and how exciting that was. And then I was hooked. And I remember my first roping lesson and off horseback. And those things definitely stuck with me. There's a lot of memories I don't remember, but I remember those. Yeah. You know, and, and what do you think it is about, you know, just cowboying and cow being a cowgirl and in the Western lifestyle that's so appealing to so many people, even people that aren't in it, just the, you know, the iconic figure of, of the, of the cowboy. What, what do you think just draws us to that? Well, I think a big part of it is, you know, the horse, the horse is such an amazing animal and it, it's really, for me, they're my some of my best friends. I spend so much time with them, and they're beautiful, the way they move, the way they listen. They're really kind of like big dogs to me. You know, they just want to please you, and and uh, they want to work with you. It's, a, it's an amazing relationship, and I think for people on the outside looking in, I think you can kind of see that. I think you can see the relationship between man and horse, and as far as, you know, the ranching lifestyle, just being outdoors, you know, getting to, you know, be out with nature and with the cattle and the horses. And it's just a really peaceful feeling when you're experiencing it. And I think people can definitely witness that. Um, I don't know. I just, there, there's nothing like it for me. It, it's where I feel most at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a while there uh, when I was working for the NRA where I couldn't ride at all. I was in the office every day in Dallas and I had to send my horses off to be swam because I could never get to them. And it was the most depressing time for me because I wasn't out there with him. It really was. I, w- I got really sad because yeah. I wasn't riding. And um, I finally told myself, I have to make time for this. And I remember after like three months of not riding, which was the longest period of time I've gone without being on a horse since I can remember. Mm-hmm. I remember getting on and just being so happy. And I knew that's where I belonged. And I don't know. I, it's very healing in a way to be on the back of a horse and just, you know, 
riding around, not having a compete or anything, just being with them. So I, you know, I've grown up with them my whole life and I can't even explain the connection that there is when you're out there on the back of a horse, you know, whether it's rodeoing or gathering cows or, or even just being outdoors, you know, around them or looking at them or doing any sort of ranch style thing. It's, it's just a peaceful feeling and it, it makes me feel complete. And I'm sure for other people that have never been a part of it, I'm sure that they kind of get a glimpse of it and maybe long for that. Yeah, I, I I think you explained it perfectly, and it's so true. Just when you're around horses, and I like that analogy. They're they're almost like dogs because you know how dogs just want to please you, and and that's the way horses are too. And I, I I feel exactly the same way. There's just nothing like, you know, and they're so powerful. That's what's amazing. They're so powerful, and that they yeah, want, they still want to do for you know human what they'll do and what they'll put up with. It's just it's an amazing, amazing thing. Yeah, it really is. I mean the connection that I feel with my horses, especially like when I'm competing and stuff like that, you work so hard in that arena every day practicing and trying to tune everything and they're working right along with you. And, you know, you're, you're getting to know each other so well uh, to where they know they can tell when you're nervous, you can tell when they're nervous. Um, you, you, you know, you can tell their different temperaments of when they're feeling excited or when they're lazy. And it's just a really neat experience to have with an animal and, to have them want to work alongside you. They're definitely our teammates. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, when you started out, you know, I'm sure you, you high school rodeoed and, and all that, correct? Yes. I, I, uh, junior rodeoed and well, my high school rodeo is a, a different story. It's kind of funny, but, um, my, my oldest brother, he rodeoed in high school and it was very political and clicky and, I guess there was just, I was too young because I'm seven years younger than him, but I didn't really understand it. But I guess my parents, they didn't like it just the way it was, you know, all the parents got and everything. So they didn't really try to push any of us to continue to rodeo. And I wanted to because I grew up doing some of the junior rodeos and then we'd have like uh, our Cattleman's Day every year that I got to participate in. That was like my big rodeo of the year when I was younger. And I wanted to do high school rodeo, but my dad was very anti and, and thought we just needed to focus on other things. And uh, so I had to basically beg him for the, I didn't get to rodeo the first two years of high school in high school rodeo. I got to do, you know, other events on the side, but finally my junior year, my cousin helped talk me into it so we could rope together. And, and he finally let me rodeo my junior year of high school. And I blame him for why I'm so <laughs> passionate about it now, because he always thought, Oh, you'll be done after high school. Oh, you'll be done after college. And here I am, you know, still going at it. <laughs> but yeah, I did rodeo in high school and college. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, you bring that up because rodeo is growing so much with the PBR and just all the other rodeo tours and the the money that's being paid now. I think that, you know, rodeo athletes are finally starting to get, you know, what what they deserve uh, for, you know, for the sport that they do. And and you, you just kind of mentioned like, you know, maybe the like high school stuff is kind of like maybe even, you know, the baseball and, in, in, uh, you know, the little football leagues and baseball leagues and stuff where they can be kind of clicky. And for rodeo to grow more, and that's part of what you know, my podcast is about too, just to help bring more people into the, this world so we can grow the fan base, you know, even more. Because like you say, people, 
they can pick up on that when they see, you know, someone uh, competing on a horse or riding a horse and, and, you know, everybody loves horses. And so I think that uh, the more we allow, you know, other people uh, or just make it more welcoming for people to get in and understand the sport and be able to enjoy it, the, the more it will grow and, and the more people will understand it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had firsthand experience with people that knew nothing about rodeo that made me really want to help grow the sport. I, I went to UCLA for my bachelor's degree in college in Los Angeles, California. And you know, it doesn't have a rodeo team there. And I, I wanted to rodeo and I, I had to make a big decision as to where I was going to go to college for career wise. But I also was worried about rodeoing and I didn't want to give up my rodeoing. And, um, so I, I, I ended up talking to the Dean of students there and getting them to sign a paper that none of them knew anything about it or if it was okay for me to do. And it was kind of a, a little ordeal, but I got them to sign off and let me represent UCLA at the intercollegiate level. And I rodeoed for them for three years. And, um, but just that whole experience down there in Los Angeles, nobody understands it. And, you know, when you talk about rodeo and they think, oh, you ride the bull. And I'm like, no, I don't ride the bull. (laughs) And just trying to, you know, help bring awareness to the sport and and explain it to people so that they don't get those false um, images of what they think it's like, you know, because, um, like for instance, I took this art class at UCLA where, you know, we the teacher would basically hold up artwork in front of a class of 300 students every day, and we'd sit there and depict what the art meant to us and explain, you know, what what we got from that um, piece of artwork that day. And one day, he held up a piece of artwork that was kind of a cartoon picture of a calf roper, and his rope was in the shape of a phallus, and mm. it had a calf tied up with his eyes xed out, and the it just looks so stereotypical and putting rodeo in a bad light. And I remember kids standing up, but I never, I never stood up and spoke until this day. Mm-hmm. And uh, other kids were standing up talking about how cruel it was to animals and this is why they're vegetarian and la la la. And my blood was boiling. <laughs> so I stood up in front of this class of 300 kids and I was like, have any of you ever been to a rodeo? Have any of you ever been to a ranch? And it was silent. I'm like, how can you guys stand here and talk about this when you know nothing about it? This is these people's livelihoods. These animals are taken better care of than most animals that you have in your backyards. And, right. and a lot of them were like, oh, we had no idea. Like, I just, they didn't know. And it was really eye-opening to me to see that most of our world doesn't know the sport. And they are interested in it. I just think we do. it's our responsibility to educate them. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. You know, now thinking back, starting out rodeoing and, and growing up ranching, did you ever aspire to be a celebrity and do the type of work you do now? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I grew up in the middle of nowhere, California. That might be hard to believe, but it, it's out there. And I don't know, we were raised to have big dreams. My mom she has an amazing voice and pursued a singing career, but then married my dad. And she kind of always instilled in us to, you know, follow your dreams. And my sister's actually in Nashville right now about to sign a recording contract uh, for her country music uh, career. And I fell into the acting. I, I wasn't blessed with a voice, so I had to be the entertainer. <laughs> <laughs> but we used to 
be really imaginative out on the ranch. I mean, I put on skits all the time and me and my cousins would put on plays for my grandparents. And I just always enjoyed that, that part of, I don't know, being in the limelight. And, uh, in, in high school, I, I studied drama and I fell in love with it. I love the stage and, um, I knew that that's a career I wanted to p- pursue. And that's really what drove me to go to UCLA. But I was torn definitely between, you know, my lifestyle of ranching and rodeo and, you know, entertainment. And that's, that's really where I did have to decide about colleges. It was either Cal Poly State University in San Luis Obispo or it was UCLA. And I, I figured I always had home there and I could always go back. So I might as well take a step into the unknown and pursue the acting career. So I did that and I, I lived in LA for six years. And, um, but it was funny because I, I felt like where I came from was so different than what everybody else knew. So I kind of tried to hide it in a way. I didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. I just didn't bring up my background. And looking back now, I wish I talked about it more because it's really gotten me more work than I ever could have imagined because of who I am and and where I came from. And um, I I just think people should be proud of, of what they come from because that's what makes you unique. And, but yes, the, the whole acting thing and working in front of the camera has always been a passion of mine. So I studied it. Um, I minored in theater at UCLA and I majored in mass communication and uh, did some, you know, got my Screen Actors Guild card there just by doing stunt work, which ultimately came from my horse background and, and, and uh, ranching lifestyle. Anything I did, I booked was, because of that, or there's a lot of people in the industry that come from that background as well. So it was kind of funny how it all worked out, but um, it's definitely something I've always wanted to do. And, but I always thought I had to separate the two. I thought I had to separate my, you know, my Western heritage and my acting passion. And I thought I would have to choose throughout my life as to which one I really focused on. And I never thought I could actually make a career out of the both of them. And until Right TV came along, and uh, that was just a dream come true. I mean, I never pictured a job would be that perfect and made for me that involved both things because they had actually reached out to me through Facebook, and it was before they were anything. And I thought, what? This is weird. You know how sometimes you get weird messages on Facebook. Right. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I just was polite and said, yeah, um, I'm interested. And they asked me if I'd ever be interested in hosting a show. They were starting a horse network and it was going to be all about horses. And I told them I was definitely interested and to keep me in mind. And they'd kind of reach out to me every six months or so. And it was probably a year and a half went by and they reached out and were like, we've got the backup. We have investors. We're going to go. We're actually, they were going to be originally just an online streaming network, but they got such great investors and, and people involved that they were able to get mass distribution and be an actual television network. And so that just was amazing. You know, to me, it was godsend. And um, I started working for them and was one of the first talent that they hired and went to meetings with them to represent the talent side of things to go meet with like direct TV and dish network. And that was really amazing. And, uh, and I host a show for them called this old horse where we feature famous horses throughout history and do some sideline work for them. So it's been pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, as far as other TV jobs that I've gotten, 
again, it always goes back to where I came from. I mean, I've worked for gun TV where it's all about firearms and, and, you know, growing up on a ranch, we've always hunted and we have a hunting program out there. And I used to guide hunts when I was younger and, and, uh, and then the NRA got a hold of me and had me be the host of NRA TV when they first launched and I did some stuff for them and it's all been amazing and a wonderful experience and I'm looking forward to what else I have in the future, but I'm very thankful for where I came from because it's definitely led to where I am now. Yeah, that's, that is amazing. And so you're still uh, hosting the, this old horse on ride TV. Are you working with the NRA at all now? Um, I'm not assigned on any projects at this moment. Everything is independent contracting work, you know. So uh, I was doing a concealed carry uh, kind of vlog for them, which was really awesome, going through the process of getting my concealed carry. And I'm about to do some stuff here soon, more surrounding the hunting industry and, and that. And I'll probably be pitching that to them as well. But currently, I'm not doing anything with them right now. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you know, I'm, I'm actually from California, Northern California, up in... Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, yes, above uh, Sacramento. I uh, was, was uh-huh. in North Sacramento for, or above Sacramento for a while, and then was out in the uh, Loomis, uh, Plaster, Plaster County area, um, up there by Auburn. And uh, then we actually were down in the, in the valley, a uh, little town called uh, Knights, and, you know, outside of Livermore, Pleasant in there. Uh-huh. I, I actually... I taught Hunter Ed for the state for five years, volunteered and, and had a, uh, a small firearms training uh, school that we, we ran for a little bit. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So I'm, I, I'm totally familiar with the, you know, the, the hunting laws and, and regulations, everything in California. Now, are you in California now or are you in, in Texas? Texas. Texas. And, and how, how long have you been there? Um, well, I really, I've been going back and forth because Ride TV is based out of Fort Worth. I've been going back and forth for probably four years now. Um, but when I was hired on with the NRA, they're out based out of Dallas. I decided I better kind of make a more solid move and got a place out here. And, and, um, it's been about two years now since I've been living out here half the time. I still, I still am in California half the time, but it's not no longer my permanent base and I, I'm a, I'm a Texas resident now. So <laughs> okay, okay. I'm in Texas, Yeah, I, but I, I've been I, kind of thinking about it. I've been thinking about getting my residency back in California and kind of doing that concealed carry process all over again, just cause I find it so interesting out there how difficult it is yeah. compared to Texas. And there's a lot of people in California. I know that, would like to get it or want to know more about it. And there's just, there's just not a lot of information really um, through social media or you don't see a lot of people from California really pushing it, I guess. Right. And uh, so I kind of like, I like to do it just because it's a challenge right, right. <laughs> and kind of give be a voice for people. But um, yeah, I'm still a Texas resident though, as of now. Yeah. Now you, you said you guys uh, would run some hunts on your place in California. Are you, is your family still doing that? Yeah, well, we actually, um, there's a hunting program out there called Golden Ram Hunting, and they actually lease a lot of the land. And then uh, my neighbor, Clayton Grant, he's actually qualified for the NFR and the team roping. Um, He lives right next door and has Bitterwater Outfitters. And it's 
I believe it still is the largest exotic hunting outfitter in the country. I'm not 100% sure if it still is, but I think it is. And I used to guide hunts for him. Um, and he's his program is huge now. He's got over 200,000 acres of hunting. And, mm-hmm. and it's pretty crazy to see how much he's taken off. But we have uh, a ton of pigs on our place. Um, it's kind of crazy how the pigs have taken over in California. But I, they really kind of put a dent in our barley fields and, you know, they're a detriment to my family's well-being and, and really affect our crops. So my dad thought it was a good idea to actually bring in a hunting program, of, you know, that was separate from us because we weren't really advertising that much right. and um, try to put a dent in some of the pigs so that they wouldn't be as, you know, damaging as they are. Yeah. And then we also have some deer and quail and tons of coyotes oh yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah the, there's still a lot of hunting out there yeah very cool now let's talk about your rodeo because i've i've seen you know I, I don't know you i've never met you but of course you know i follow you on social media and i've seen you you've seems like you've entered a lot of rodeos this year you want to tell us about that a little bit sure um, this year was kind of tough um I have a really nice nine-year-old bay mare. Um, she's by Dash, or she's by John Fame out of Dash the Fame, um, out of a streak and six mare, and she is awesome. And we started off really good the first half of the year, and um, when we got back out to California for the California rodeos, she just kind of wasn't clocking very much. Like she just, I just know how how talented she is and fast she is and she was nowhere near what she could be but she wasn't acting you know lame or anything and but she started giving me gait issues so I I thought well maybe it's ulcers and treated her for that because we had that issue before and um I couldn't figure out what it was but finally we were in Hayward California and she kind of took a lame step and I thought okay I knew there was something wrong and we took her to a vet found out she had a bruise on her coffin bone and she needed basically time off. And so I had a young one that I had bought in October that was a fertility horse. And I thought, well, you know, maybe this is um, God's way of telling me to focus on my young horse. And so I started taking my young five-year-old, <laughs> probably started her a little crazier than I should have, but it was, uh, I learned a lot about her in that first rodeo. Our first rodeo together was at Reno Rodeo. And she had never ran in a rodeo in her life. She'd been to a you know, handful of fraternity races. And uh, I didn't know how she was going to handle it, but I was entered. And I love Reno Rodeo. I always seem to have, you know, some luck there. And so I thought I'd take her. And we were in the performance in the evening, and I didn't know how she was going to handle the crowds, you know, or the bulls being loaded in the chutes, or the cameras flashing right by your feet when you turn the second barrel. And she handled it like a champ. I was so happy with her. She was awesome. And right as we turned the third barrel, my reins break. And it was the scariest feeling because that arena is huge. And I didn't know what to do because I couldn't reach it. It broke like halfway down the rain. And so I just reached up and grabbed her head stall. And kind of, she ran home and I pulled up right after the eye. And uh, she just stopped and let me get off and grab her rein. Right at that moment, I knew that she was, definitely a great rodeo horse and i'm super excited for what's going on with her but we've just been doing a lot of seasoning 
um, over the last couple months. My bay horse has been off for about four months now, and I'm about to get to lake her back up here. So I'm excited for this new season coming up because I'm going to have both of them, and and hopefully this next year goes better than this last year. But um, I've been rodeoing, like I said, my whole life, and I kind of started pro rodeoing, I think, oh, my gosh, I think my rookie year was three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is my fourth year that I, well, this we'll, we'll be going into my fifth year of rodeoing. And um, it's just kind of been a, you know, like I said, I grew up on a, a ranch and my family predominantly ropes. So I did a lot of roping and I amateur rodeoed and breakaway roped a lot. And the barrels I kind of just came into, I mean, I always barrel raced, but I never had barrel horses, if that makes sense. Right. And uh, we always just, you know, barrel raced on our rope horses. Right. <laughs> and the last couple of years, I've kind of been getting more into that, the bloodlines and trying to get nice running bred horses and uh, just kind of building a team, which it definitely takes a team to compete at the level of, you know, the professional level. And the girls out there, I mean, they're all so athletic and the horses are incredible that, you know, you have to have almost a horse for every pin. But, um, so that's kind of what I've been doing with that. And then just trying to build my team up and get a good set of horses to really go, you know, really go for it and try to make the NFR. Um, but this last year, you know, when my horse got hurt with the bruise on her coffin bone and I was just kind of seasoning my young one, they, you know, started opening up breakaway at pro rodeos and I couldn't believe it. That's just something I've always hoped for, but never thought it would happen in my lifetime. And so I <laughs> legged up my old faithful and uh, he's 21 years old this year. And I, uh, I have another one who I head off of, but I haven't breakaway roped off of him. And I just didn't know if he'd quite be ready. So I pulled out my, my older horse and, and started getting him ready to go and we've been going to all the breakaway ropings at the rodeos and it's been awesome like it's been so much fun to have that at the rodeos now and like you said earlier rodeo really is changing and um it's so great to see that you know now they're starting to incorporate more events there's more money added uh they're now adding breakaway roping at the american and the wcra is having the breakaway this year and um, it's just neat to have two girl events finally at the professional level. Yeah, I, I think it's very cool. And I was I was going to bring that up because myself now I, I may get I may get flack for some people, but I would love to break away rope. I mean, you know, do you, there's do you a ever, lot of guys that do. do. Do you do you ever see do you ever do you see that maybe coming in the future with uh, more guys uh, competing? I in would think rope? so. De- definitely. I mean, because I mean, I know at the you know within the PRCA and the WPRA you know, being two different associations right now, it's just the WPRA that has the breakaway roping and the barrel racing. But I mean, there's so many jackpots out there where you see both, you know, men and women in breakaway roping or barrel racing. And I would think, especially for, you know, an audience's, um, uh, to please the audience, right. Breakaway seems to be a little bit better than the tie down roping. But um, I don't I don't know why they don't have it in the guys' events. I mean, you see it a lot at amateur rodeos. They'll have guys breakaway roping and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I don't see why they don't. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a great idea myself. And and it you know it's it's like it, you know at my age I, I you know 
roping calves, which some, is something I always wanted to do and would have loved to have done, but it's not going to happen now. And, uh, you know, yeah. so, but, it, but it'd be great because you could, you know, you could break away rope up to any age. And I, I just think, it, yeah. and it's something that moves fast. The event moves fast. And uh, I think it could be a really cool thing. And I'd love to see that happen. No, I think that's, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's definitely an event that can be done at all ages. It's kind of like, it's even better to me than team roping. And you see a lot of different ages, you know, roping, but breakaway is in a way safer Yep. Um, to where you could really do it at any age. So, I mean, I think it's just going to take people pushing it in the sport. That's what it's taken so far in the breakaway for the girls. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of girls out there that have been, the front runners behind this trying to drive it and, and push the WPRA and the PRCA to have it. And uh, it still definitely has a lot of work to, you know, do and, and a lot of room to grow. Um, but it's just going to take that persistence. And I think it'll probably take that, you know, in those other avenues as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a sport too, that a lot of other people can get involved in. Cause like you say, you know, and I love team rope and don't get me wrong. I love it, but there's, there are some, uh, dangers to team roping that uh you know can are just kind of prohibitive to some people and if if with breakaway roping you could even get to the point to where and i'm just trying to think on terms of you know growing the sport and getting more people to do it where people Mm -hmm. maybe didn't even own a horse but they had access to practice on horses and stuff and you could hold breakaway ropings where you know people could come in and and you know, ride somebody else's horse or, or, you know, I'm just, oh, yeah. I'm just kind of putting that out there. Definitely. Like we get more people doing it. So we just have more cowboys and cowgirls, uh, like the university of Wyoming says the world needs more of them. So that's what we're trying to do. Well, I think <laughs> it's definitely the one sport that could like shine the light and, you know, helping people get involved. And I, I think it's a great sport to learn how to rope in yeah. general. You know, yeah. I learned in the branding pan, which, to me, I don't know. I don't know how my parents did it because I would have been freaking out if I had a kid trying to rope and the branding <laughs> thing could be so crazy and hectic. But then, and then team roping, you know, that was the second phase that I went through. But I really feel like breakaway is where a person should learn because you're not having to worry about the dally. Right. You're not worrying about, you know, pulling the, the animal or, or getting, you know, worrying about it, rope getting tangled up with your horse or anything like that. Right. I definitely agree with you. Like, it is something where you can, like, For instance, we have the WPRA finals coming up here in two weeks in Waco, Texas. And I have a girl flying in from Oregon who is, or excuse me, Washington, who is going to be getting on my horse and riding there. So, I mean, it's definitely an event where other girls girls can jump on your horse and ride, Mm -hmm. um, which isn't the case for the barrel racing. One, it's a rule to where you can't ride the same horse um, at an event. And I didn't know yeah. Well, I mean, just because it is so much the horse mm-hmm. to where you can't, you know, um, so they, they want to make it to where every rider has, you know, their own horse kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and two, it's hard to ride somebody else's horse because in the barrel racing, because your cues are so dialed in, um, with your turns and everything. And, and the way you ride is so different from somebody else where it, it's, it's more difficult to jump horses in the barrel racing definitely than it is the breakaway roping. So yeah. I think you're onto something. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the other thing about barrel horses too is just going down that alley is like a bronc ride. I mean, I, I wouldn't get on a barrel horse. I, I don't have that. I don't, I just don't have the fortitude to do that. I don't think at, at this age, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not yes, just jumping on a horse. Every horse, horse is different. Some, yeah. 
every horse is different, but it definitely, there's something about that alleyway. They know what's happening. They know what they're about to do. They get so worked out, worked up, but I don't know. It also gets you worked up and you oh, can't yeah. wait to let them go. So, um, <laughs> I, I love the alleyways, yeah. but I totally get what you're saying. And some of those horses out there, I don't know if I'd want to be on them in an alleyway, but thank God I haven't had to have that problem. <laughs> yeah. But that just, that just goes to show how tough, you know, you, you cowgirls are to, to, to do that uh, because it's, it's not, it's not easy to ride those horses. People think, you know, you can just run around, uh, you know, a few cans and, uh, it's, it's a, it's a completely different than that. Oh, it really is. And you know, like I came from that, like I said, a roping background and I did barrel race, but I've heard all the stereotypes and people talk, you know, bad about barrel racers. And, you know, now that I am one, I, I still hear it, but (laughs) it, it, there is so much work that goes into it. And those girls are some of the most athletic women. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way they can ride these horses, full on turn on a dime and be lifting a leg to not hit a barrel. That is an athlete. Mm -hmm. And, uh, barrel racing comes down to fractions of seconds. There's no other sport in rodeo that is as competitive as barrel racing. And to be able to fine tune your relationship with your horse, to be able to turn a barrel with the least amount of steps and gaps as possible. I mean, it is definitely hard to barrel race and it's, you don't really see it until, uh, for instance, at uh, Red Bluff Rodeo uh, in Red Bluff, California, they have a men's barrel race and they auction off the, the, the men in the barrel racing. And uh, it's hilarious because <laughs> these guys will go get on, you know, one of the girls that has entered at the rodeo, they'll ask to ride their horse and they'll ride their horse in the barrel racing. And it, I mean, you're guaranteed to see one guy fall off. They don't know what to do with their hands. They don't know which way to turn the barrel. It's just a disaster. And it's really funny to watch, but it just shows you, you know, it's not anybody can do it. It's not just going around a barrel. There's a lot that goes behind it and it takes a lot of athleticism to do it. (laughs) Absolutely. So, Hey, um, we're, we're getting kind of close to the end of our time here. That's, uh, I mean, so you, I mean, you do modeling, uh, you know, you said you've done some stunt work and, and hosting shows. Uh, do you, do you have the uh, sponsors that sponsor sponsor you in terms of uh, your rodeo stuff or fashion or anything? Oh yes, I have some great sponsors. Sponsors are everything in this sport. It's the only way we can really make it down the road and, and keep my horses in the best possible condition I can because I mean, it's expensive, you know, rodeo and you're driving everywhere. Your horses have to go with you. And it's it's hard to do, but without sponsors, I I wouldn't be able to do it. I have uh, American Family Feed. They help me uh, take care of my horses with the feed, and, and their grain is amazing. Um, my horses love it and do so well on it. Um, I have Bales Hay Sales out of Buckeye, Arizona. They have some of the best hay in the country. I drive out of my way to get there just to get hay because uh, their hay is so great. But um, and then I have Resistol. Um, resist all hats and resist all apparel definitely keep me looking good on my horse in my western mm-hmm. attire um, and the cactus saddlery cactus ropes and best ever pads uh, are the gear that I use on my horses as well and um, last but not least one of the greatest sponsors that I'm proud to represent is the oral cancer foundation mm-hmm. um, they are a nonprofit organization actually based out of Orange County but uh, they're all about promoting the non-use of tobacco 
in the sport of rodeo as well as everything else. And I love to be able to take this platform I have and use it for good and, and basically try to show kids that you don't have to chew tobacco or do drugs to be, you know, a professional athlete and be successful in what you want to do. And so I, I love the fact that I get to represent them as well. But yeah, those are my sponsors and I'm thankful for them. And uh, let, thanks for letting me give them a shout out on here. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll list them in the show notes and as well. Um, in terms of people following you, uh, best place for people to follow you on social media and, and see what you're doing? Oh, yeah. Um, I, my, my, my thing these days, I love Instagram. I'm on Instagram under Carly Twist. Uh, and then Facebook, obviously, uh, Carly Twistleman. And um, I do have Twitter. It's also Carly Twist. I'm kind of bad about using it, but I do have it. But Instagram is definitely the place I like to go if you'd like to follow me. Great. Yeah. And in, in terms of social media, social media, I think is, uh, and again, I've said this before on the show, I love social media. Uh, it's like any tool. It can be used for bad or good. But for me, I think that it really helps. Uh, I just think it helps a lot of things when you use it in the right way, just like with what we're doing and what we're doing with the Western culture and rodeo and in that whole world it helps bring people together and, and have a better understanding of, uh, know what people are doing and, and, and what it's all about and, and helps promote people and inspire other people. So, uh, I, I'm, I, I, again, I just, I love it. But uh, in terms of learning all the platforms, this is something that's changing all the time. And I'm like you, I'm on Twitter, but I, I'm not doing it right, but I want to get it right. Yeah. There, so, <laughs> so no, yeah. social media is so huge. Yes. Yeah, it really is. It's just very cool. Um, I mean, uh, it, it, that's just the way of the world these days. And like you're saying, I mean, it's a great advertising platform. It's a great learning platform. You know, you were saying we've never met, but you've seen my stuff and, and I've seen your stuff and you almost feel like, you know, people on there because you, you follow them. And, uh, it's a crazy way that our world has gone in communication, um, both good and bad, but you know, whether we like it or not, social media is definitely important. Yeah, it's it's here to stay. And and when we focus on the good, uh, that's, you know, we're going to reap more of the good uh, because for, yeah. all, for all the negative that's out there every day, put on, uh, you know, that's that's just put out by, you know, a lot of major media stuff. Uh, that's that's just the bad stuff. There's 95% of the other stuff happening that is good. And, and that's just not that we ignore the other stuff or we don't think it's going on. We do, but we just don't want to be fed a complete steady diet of it every minute of the day to where it just starts to, you know, infuse your entire being. (laughs) Absolutely. It kind of, you know, it makes me think of the news, you know, uh, I listen to a lot of news, but um, what they call it, the mean world syndrome, where basically all that's ever reported is negative stuff. So you start thinking the world is negative. Right. And you really should try to like, just look for happier things because like you said, it's only like, like 95% of it is all good. There might be 5% or something that's negative, but yeah, you try to try to surround yourself with positive things, especially on social media, because that definitely does affect you. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. Yeah. And, and even like on social media, I've had some comments made and, and you, you don't think like it bother you, but it just, you think about it and you think, what has this person got going on in their life that they, or you see them make comments about other people uh, that they have to, you know, just bring that to even put it out there, you know? And so, Oh gosh, um, you're talking about like trolling and all that yes, stuff. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I think the same thing when I see that stuff. And 
honestly, it really makes you hesitant on putting stuff out there when it comes to, you know, your beliefs or for instance, like rodeo, a lot of times, you know, if you post something about rodeo or you post a run or, and I have kind of different kinds of followers. I have right. you know my hunting world and my rodeo world, but then I have my acting world too. And they're different from each other. Right. And I get some things sometimes like where they can't believe that I would be, believe in this or that this is what I do. And, um, you know, I haven't really got, I've got a few of the really, really negative ones that you kind of just have to ignore. But, um, and I have to just tell myself, you know what, the more that people are looking at it and comment, commenting on it, it may not be something I want to read, but other people can, um, read it and, and basically respond if they want to. And they say good, you know, any publicity is good publicity, right. whether it's bad or not. And if right. people are going to comment, it's only going to make more people see it. So you kind of got to turn those lemons into lemonade. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know if you remember or not, but I've, I've got a product uh, that I didn't invent it, but a guy in Texas invented it. It's called, it's called the Dally King. Do you remember when I reached mm-hmm. out about, do you remember when I reached out to you about that? I do. Yeah. It was in, and I was I, actually, that's what I thought was funny because I didn't realize that it was the same thing until the other day when you, uh, you messaged me from there as well as, you know, I, Cowboy, modern day Cowboy podcast. Yeah. What's funny is, is I didn't know that I was, uh, I, I, I messaged you from the Dally King. That was, that was crazy. And I, <laughs> cause I went back to look to your message and I thought, well, I, I know we talked the other day and anyway, it was on the Dally King one. So anyway, I just, I just, I had to bring that up because I don't remember you were busy at the time or something and uh, it, it wouldn't have worked out anyway, but I was just out there, you know, getting ready to launch this thing. And I just thought it'd be cool to maybe have you uh, do some of the interview stuff. But uh, what never, are you doing with that now? Oh, I still have it. Uh, it's uh, I, I'm working on some other things with the modern cowboy brand now that is just, I won't say put it on the back burner, but uh uh, it is kind of on the back burner a little bit, but we still have units that are available. We're doing a little bit of uh, uh, refabrication and fine tuning on some of them. Uh, the biggest thing with it is is price point. I think getting the price right where you know team ropers can, uh, um, you know, where it's more affordable. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, but it's a great tool. Well, that's for li- good. It's a business, and you gotta you gotta always fine tune. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, anyway, what. Well, you know, Carly, it's just, it, I'm just so happy that you uh, agreed to come on and I've just really enjoyed talking to you. Um, I'm really going to have to step up my game now uh, and, and uh, get into uh, start doing some breakaway roping myself and maybe I'll be the, yeah. the, the, the breakout <laughs> breakaway guy, you know, and help. help so wait, out. are you in Arizona now? Yeah, I'm in Arizona. I'm in Chandler. Okay. Yeah. They're having, I saw in uh, January, I don't know if, if it's closed off to girls or not, but they're having um, some big breakaway ropings there. I don't know if it's in Buckeye or where I'm really bad about these details, obviously, but I, I saw they're going to be having a bunch out there, but maybe you need to start putting on some guy breakaway roping. I, I just might have to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. I've been talking about putting on uh, breakaway ropings in California when I'm home, just because there's not that many of them in Southern California. And, uh, I know there's a lot of girls that want to go. I went to one the other day in, um, at the Cal, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and it was an enter the day of no money added. And they got a, over a hundred girls and it was like, there's so many girls that want to do it, but there's no, there's not that many places to go. So 
I think we all have to start, you know, putting them on ourselves. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, it's a good idea. It's a great idea, actually. Yeah. Well, Carly, hey. Well, thank you for having me on. Yeah, hey, thank you very much for coming on. And uh, we'll stay in touch. And I look forward to, you know, watching you as you go down the road and just seeing, you know, what we're going to see in next. Probably we'll see you in a movie here before too long. I, I wouldn't be surprised. That's the plan. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, you're welcome. And have a great day, and we'll, we'll be in touch. Where are you Sounds cowboys good. and cowgirls at? Every Friday afternoon, I hitch up the trailer. Saddle up old rock and ice down a cooler. I drive that old back road until it ends at the rope and pin. We got them rusted out pickups and fancy rigs. $20,000 horses, then there's my own stick. Although we're all the same. The minute we ride in to the roping pen Well, I ain't no player speed But I give her hell, he never can tell Someday I just might be We'll turn a few steers and we'll tell a few lies Kick back in the saddle and philosophize Most of life's problems Yeah, we're gonna solve them Down at the roping pen Yeah, we don't do it for the money Yeah, we're always broke Just ask Clint what he paid a rope He's lost a dozen wives Half the fingers on his hands To the rope and pen And it takes a little skill And a little luck If you can talk smack You can back it up Oh, but we're all friends No matter who wins Down at the rope and pen Someday I just might be We'll turn another pin of steers Tell a few more lies Drink another beer And hypothesize Most of life's problems By God we're gonna solve them Down at the roping pen We'll see y'all again Next weekend down at the Roman Pen Down at the Roman